Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Joy Boys of Radio, we chase electrons to and fro. We are the Joy Boys of Radio, we chase electrons to and fro. Now, from approximately... Uh, now, from approximately coast to coast, Bob Elliott and Ray Goulding take great pleasure, take great pleasure presenting, presenting oh, the CBS Radio, Radio Network. Hi. Hello again, everybody. It's Bob and Ray and their great bird and a program for all the family, we feel. makers of grime, the magic shortening that spreads like lard, invite you to join us for another episode of The Gathering Dust. As we look in on the Bessinger household today, Edna is resting on the middle shelf of the cupboard in the kitchen. It's mid-morning, and Mr. Wintersmere, the Red Boiling Springs representative of the Pure Food and Drugs Administration, is just entering the room. Oh, it's you, Pure Food and Drug Administration, Representative Wintersmere. I'm glad you could come over so quickly. Well, things have been pretty quiet around the local office since your father and your brother dropped out of circulation. I have plenty of time on my hands these days. Yes, I guess Danny and Waldo did keep everything humming down at your office there for a while. I never did see how two people could think up so many harmful food and drug items to put on the market. Now, I remember that back in Prohibition, we even got called in on their bootlegging activities. Yes, I know they did figure out how the pure food and drug people got involved in that little episode. Well, it was fairly logical, really. When the Treasury men raided their still, they found out that your father and Waldo were really just bottling strawberry pop with red pepper in it. Since there was no alcohol in the hooch, it became a food and drug case. Well, all I remember about it is that Daddy and Waldo beat the rap. Yes, we couldn't find anything harmful about drinking strawberry pop with red pepper in it if you wanted to. So we just gave your father and your brother a sanity hearing and let it go with that. Well, I do recall that they burned a lot of midnight oil boning up for that sanity test. Well, they both flunked at cold, but we really had nothing to hold them for, so I had the unpleasant task of turning them back loose on society. Well, that strawberry hooch they were making never sold very well anyway. It gave you quite a wallop going down, though. 
Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm sure you didn't call me over here just to talk about your father and brother. Is there something our office can do for you? Yes, there is, Pure Food and Drug Administration Representative Wintersmere. There's a poisoned breakfast food being sold here in Red Boiling Springs. When I think of all the poor little tots who will be eating it, it upsets me terribly. You must do something to stop the sale of this terrible product. Well, sounds pretty... Sounds pretty serious, Miss Edna. Do you have proof? I certainly do. I poured myself a bowl of that stuff this morning, and look, this one kernel, hard and indigestible, probably poison. Well, that's not a kernel of breakfast food, Miss Edna. That's a plastic whistle. Well, whatever it is, it's the wonder I didn't choke on it, the very idea of feeding plastic to children. But, Miss Edna, this is a premium that comes in the cereal box. You aren't supposed to eat it. A premium? My stars, I do believe you're right, Pure Food and Drug Administration Representative Windersmere. You can't imagine what a relief it is to know that our children aren't all being poisoned. I almost feel as if I'm no longer standing in the gathering dusk. Ladies, a hard shortening that has to be broken up with dynamite can be a nuisance in any modern kitchen. And that's why you'll go for grime, the magic shortening that spreads like lard. Try some soon, and be sure to join us next time when Edna goes to the village in The Gathering Dust. Well, it's time now for Reporter's Rendezvous, the award-winning program in which... Members of our Bob and Ray News staff fire questions at some of the nation's political leaders. Our guest today is Congresswoman Beatrice Montcalm Storch, and the members of our panel are Mr. Wallace W. Ballou and Mr. Arthur C. Skrennerhorn. Congresswoman Storch, I assume that you've had occasion to meet the panel members before in Washington. Well, if I remember correctly, they were the ones who covered the 1953 inauguration and then found out later that their microphones weren't plugged in. Yeah, I believe they uh, got quite a laugh at the National Press Club about that. Yeah, everybody thought they were a couple of idiots. That's what they thought. Well, now, those little technical problems, of course, come up in radio once in a while. But I believe we're ready to begin today's questioning with Arthur Skirmahorn. For Congresswoman Storch... There was a Rivers and Harbors bill up before the last session of Congress that provided funds for dredging the Missouri between Grand Island and North Platte, Nebraska. Now, uh, your committee cut the, uh, that particular provision out of the bill. Why was that? Well, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm on the post office committee. You didn't have any Rivers and Harbors bill. Who is that fat-headed? Well, that's Mr. Skarmahorn. Uh, he's the chief of our Washington Bureau. Seems like a complete fool. Now I see that uh, Wally Ballou has his hand up there. Go ahead, Wally. Congresswoman, in your campaign for re-election this year, I noticed that all of your speeches have avoided the states' rights issue. Do you care to comment on that? Well, I'm not uh, running for re-election this year, and I haven't made any speeches at all. Mr. Skirmahorn? Congresswoman, I know that you have three fine sons back home in Michigan. Would you advise them to go into politics? Well, you seem to be a little perplexed by that one, uh, Congresswoman. Well, I am. For one thing, I'm not from Michigan. I'm from Oklahoma. For another thing, I don't have any children. And as a final point, I'm not married. Marty, I'm wondering if you might not have pulled out the wrong biographical file for this week's program. No, this woman is obviously trying to cover up something. Here's a file right here. Well, this is the file on Congresswoman Bloomshot of Michigan. 
Well, who's that old bat up there? Yeah, uh, this woman's storage. You're both for home. I don't talk that way. All I know is that I pulled out the fire you told me to get. I know that. I told you no such thing. This has all the earmarks of another fine mess you've gotten us into. Well, thanks your attitude. This is certainly the last show I'm going to work with you. Well, that suits me just fine. Well, those are the same ones that bollocked up the inauguration. I'm sure of it. Well, now we want to thank you for being with us, Congresswoman Storch, and well, invite you all to join us again next week on Reporters Rendezvous, when our guest will be Mr. Gabriel of the Pure Food and Drug Administration. Our panel members for that show will be selected at a later date. Time for Bob and Ray Lucky phone call, isn't it? Yes. Haven't uh, had one this month yet. And uh, our call today goes to Mr. Emerson N. Partee of Snohomish, Washington. Operator, will you get that, please? I think... Uh, Phone will be ringing there. It is now. It's ringing. Hello? Hello. Is this the residence of Mr. Uh, Emerson N. Partee of Snohomish, Washington? Yes, it is. This is Bob and Ray with another lucky phone call, Mr. Partee. Hey, hello? Bob and Ray with a lucky phone. Partee is telling his wife, oh, okay. I guess, about well, it. I don't know what we get. Wait a minute. Calling from New York City, Mr. Partee. Oh, wonderful. Gee, we're, we're, we're just listening. delighted. We're listening to our show? No, we, uh, no, we weren't. We're just finishing uh, uh, dinner here. Wonderful. What were you doing while uh, we were calling you? Finishing dinner. Uh-huh. We were just finishing dinner when the phone rang. Uh, who's there with you, Mr. Partee? Miss Helen and, uh, and the little fella. Your wife and uh, family with you? Uh, yes, they're right here. I just said, well, we finished uh, dinner, and uh, my wife, Helen, and uh, the little fella are here. Do you uh, have any children, sir? Yes, one. A boy or girl? It's a boy, a little fella. I just... Wonderful. Uh, said a second ago. Good. Well, uh, Helen and the little fella are running around in circles well, here. Well, I guess they're I pretty wanted... happy that we uh, singled you out for our Bob and Ray Lucky phone yes, call. Yes, they are, tonight. and uh, I might say I am, too, uh... They want me to ask you what we win. What do you uh, do for a living, Mr. Partee? I'm a baker here in Snohomish. Wonderful. Uh, do, do they still give baker's dozens in uh, uh, bake shops? Like no, they not used like to? they used to. <laughs> no. no. No, when you order a dozen now, you still you just get 12. You get Mr. 12. Uh, but I guess that's still legal, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do? He just asked me if uh, we give beggars dust. Well, now, I guess you realize the uh, you realize the significance uh, in a lucky phone call from us, the fact that out of millions of phones uh, listed in the various directories we have here in the studio... Well, the population uh, of America is uh, almost 200 million. Right. And when you consider that out of all those people, I don't know how many have telephones, but a good portion of them, to think that uh, you've selected my name. <laughs> wow. He's pretty excited, Ray. Uh, telling his wife and uh, uh-huh. well, the little uh, fellow there. Did you say you had a little boy or a little girl? Uh, I have a little boy. I thought I told you that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little fellow. Wonderful. And you're a baker. Well, and, look, uh, uh, I don't want to keep you around having your dinner. And, well, uh, my, I want to finish my dinner. All right. We're we have certain. an upside-down cake for dessert, and I love it. Did you make that at your bake shop? No, my wife uh, made it at she, home. She finds that she still likes to cook at home, even though you could have uh, all of those products from your own shop. I huh? have a funny feeling that... Uh, <laughs> You're not saying, uh, why do we win? Well, sir, here's what we have for you. Uh, in case the Bob and Ray trophy train reaches Snohomish, uh, we are sending you by uh, airmail a coupon good for 10 cents off the regular admission price of a dollar sixty-five. In other words, you'll be able to get in to see the Bob and Ray trophy train, all the trophies on it, for a dollar fifty-five instead of the usual uh, uh, modest a dollar sixty-five. 
So you really are lucky, sir. No, and uh, ten cents from these. I hope that uh, we'll meet up with you sometime in person. I'd like to meet up with you, uh, say in about ten minutes, and if at all possible. Uh, about all the time we can take on the phone. But uh, thank you, Mr. Party, for uh, talking with us. I know he was very happy. Wonderful, Bob. I'm excited too. And we'll say you know to send that uh, coupon out. We will, and uh, we'll have the sound of an unusual creature in just ten seconds. Here, then, is the sound of an unusual creature. I think right now we should uh, play those tapes that were brought in by Wally Ballou. Uh, was this on the air at all, this broadcast? Uh, it was made for use today. I oh, heard no. it, though. Okay, well, uh, is the tape ready to go? Okay, let's hear it. This is radio's highly regarded... Wally Ballou, winner of 16 Diction Awards, greeting you from the parade here in New York City. Before describing any of the activity here, I'd like to introduce and call in from his vantage point my broadcasting partner, Artie Skermahorn. Can you hear me, Art? Skermahorn here. Thank you, Wally. Yes, this is Artie Skermahorn, the CBS radio here at Animal Announcer, here to assist Wally Ballou in the broadcast of the annual parade. Uh... Just, I see. Excuse me, uh, Artie. This is Wally Blue again from my vantage point. I hated to interrupt you, but there is a band rounding the corner, heading across. Let's go down and pick up. No, I'm afraid we missed that music. Is there anything going on at your point, uh, Artie? Up at this end, uh, Wally, uh, we have uh, a, a, a group of uh, children parading by now, and there's, yes, a band in back of them. So, Engineer, let's swing down and. Uh, same thing seems to have happened here, Wally. Back to your vantage point. Better luck next time, Artie Skirmahorn. Uh, I was going to ask you... Oh, wait a minute. There is a band now, and I think if we swing our parabolic microphone down, we'll catch it. Fine. Uh, Artie, can you describe the view that you're looking at right now? Uh, hello? Uh, yes, Wally, I could. Uh, it is a beautiful day. I can count, oh, let me see, must be one, two, maybe 15 uh, uh, bricks placed the one on top of the other. Uh, and this has been carried on in some sort of a sequence so as to make uh, uh, what I would call a wall. Artie, uh, excuse me, this is Baloo again. I think you're describing the wall. Uh, if you turn around, I think the parade is behind you, Art. Will you try that, please? Right. You're, you're so right, uh, Wally. That's true. Uh, and there's a band coming, so let's swing down now and pick up some of that exciting martial music. Shall we? <laughs> Uh, you missed most of that, Artie. This is Wally Ballou, uh, back at my vantage point. Right now, there is uh, a group of people just marching, uh, not listening to any particular music. And I think now, let's swing down and pick up that band music. And there seems to be some trouble. Uh, 44th Street. Let me interrupt just a moment. There is a break here on the 44th Street. It doesn't carry all the way through. It's uh, necessary for the route of march to go through Grand Central Terminal. So there, that will be a delay, more or less. And uh, there is a big delay as the parade seems to disappear. Well, what do you think of that? I don't think we should put it on the air at all. No. no. So uh, they didn't cover anything. No. <laughs> no, I don't think we'll broadcast that. Anyway, that was the big parade. This anyway, what are we going to do? Well, they're uh, raising the roof these nights at uh, Bob Heaven, the famous jazz spot just off New York's Broadway. 
A hot musical combo known as the Fort Madison, Iowa Ladies' Aid Society Rock and Roll Trio is taking the place by phone. Group, Mrs. Emma Swope is here with us to uh, pay a return visit today. I think we talked to you a few months ago, Miss Swope. Glad to do it, Daddy-O. Give me some skin on that. Okay, I'll certainly do that. <laughs> now, as I recall, you were just preparing to open a top heaven the last time you were up here. That's right, Jackson. We weren't sure then just how these New York cats would take to the sound we make. But I'll tell you, we've sent them right out of this world. So New York is really pretty much like Fort Madison when it comes to enthusiasm over your music. Oh, that's right. We knew they went for the cool and solid stuff back home, but we didn't know whether the cats down here would dig it or not. Mm-hmm. I remember on opening night, we picked Silver Threads Among the Gold as our first number, and we weren't more than halfway through it when everybody started stamping their feet and hollering, Go, girls, go! We knew we had them right dead in there. Well, I know that every attendance record has been shattered at Pop Heaven since you opened there. You still have the same combo together that uh, you brought in from Fort Madison? Yes, I'm still handling that mean low-down cello. And uh, we've got Elsie Springer on viola and Mrs. Floyd Crimmins at the old 88. Rock and roll fans know Mrs. Crimmins better as Muggsy Crimmins. That's right. Cats all call her Muggsy. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when she starts massaging those ivories, you're right up there on cloud nine. I've heard she plays beautifully. Oh, she He's cool, Jackson, cool. I seem to remember reading in the paper, uh, Miss Wolf, that uh, you had a little trouble over at Bob Heaven one night a few weeks ago. Wasn't there a riot or something like that? Well, uh, some of the young cats uh, got sent out a little too far. Mm-hmm. The news rags made a big thing out of it, but I wouldn't call it a riot just because they dig it the most. Well, there was a picture in the paper with some teenagers diving through your cello, if I remember. Well, that's right, Jack. We were just swinging out on the first few bars to drink to me only with thine eyes. When this cat in the front row jumped up and hollered, Man, I'm gone! Yeah. Next thing I knew, I had splitters in both my knees and nothing in my hands but a pile of kindling wood. Well, this fellow diving through the cello is what started the riot then, huh? Well, the place did begin to jump a little more than usual after that. Yeah, it took about eight squads of police to break the thing up. Seven or eight, I forget which. Well, the girls and I spent the night in the pokey, I know that, but we figured the publicity was worth it. We've been packing them in ever since. Well, I know that you're going to have a long run over there. I certainly hope that you'll drop back before long to chat with us again. After a while, Crocodile... To be on casual living. In fact, we have a casual living show here in New York this week, and we've sent correspondent Wally Ballou over there to give us an on-the-spot report. So if you're ready, come in, please, Wally Ballou. Ballou here at New York's casual living show. Um, I'm completely surrounded by displays which indicate how our American way of life has changed in the past 10 or 20 years. There's a big frozen food aisle over here to my left, and I also see several booths devoted to modern informal furniture for the home and yard. And, of course, there are big displays of all the latest labor-saving devices. Excuse me, but are you going to interview me or not? Yes, I am, Mr. Fundy. I just wanted to give a little background color first. Well, after all, I'm the manager of the show, and I've consented to give you this interview at one of our busiest hours. I'm scheduled to draw the lucky number for the lawn sprinkler system in just about three minutes, and I'd appreciate you getting along with the thing. Well, I'm sorry you're on such a quick-second schedule, Mr. Fundy. I had assumed that you went into this casual living pattern yourself. Well, I do, Mr. Ballou. You'll notice that I'm wearing Bermuda shorts and an old, dirty T-shirt. But I do have a schedule to maintain. See, you're also wearing worn-out tennis shoes. Right, I live just as casually as I can, but I'm busy. And if you want me to show you through our casual living home here, why, we'll just have to move along. Well, we certainly want to see the casual living home, so suppose you lead the way, Mr. Pudley. All right, as we step into the living room here, you'll notice that one entire wall 
made out of blue glass. I also see there's no furniture in the living room, just straw mats scattered around the floor and a television set up against each wall. That's right. The modern casual living family really has no use for furniture. It's more casual just to lie around on the floor and watch TV. Uh-huh. Suppose we move along to the kitchen now. I understand that's really the sensation of the show. Oh, yes. The kitchen has created a good deal of interest. You'll notice the clothes washer and dryer along one wall here. Then there's a garbage disposal unit, a hi-fi speaker in each corner, an electric foot massage unit for each member of the family, and a dog bed that's rocked gently by electricity. Well, if this is the kitchen, uh, where's the sink and the stove? Well, the family that lives casually eats mostly canned goods and other prepared food. There's a window here that's large enough for throwing the dirty dishes out in the yard, so there's really no need for either a stove or a sink. Well, now, how about a refrigerator? Even a family that lives casually must eat one of those. No, if they're casual enough, they don't really care if the stuff they eat is spoiled or not. Chances are that they'll be pretty well potted by mealtime anyway. Well, this casual living room just uh, has uh, two rooms, a kitchen and living room. Is that right? Well, that's right. The modern family is so casual... That they just drop off to sleep here in the kitchen or out in the lawn somewhere, and that eliminates the need for bedrooms. And, of course, there's no basement. <clears throat> well, where's the furnace? Well, the casual living family spends so much time out barbecuing and square dancing and pursuing various outdoor sports that it's really a waste of money to try to heat the house. Nobody's ever home, anyway. Well, won't the pipe freeze if you don't heat the place? Well, I'm afraid I'll have to be getting over to that lawn sprinkler drawing. I'm almost a minute late as it is. Well, we want to thank you for showing us around, Mr. Fundy, and this is Radio's Wally Baloo at the Casual Living Show, sending it back to Bob Ray in our main studio. And now the makers of Gerst Meyer's Puppy Kibble. The dry meal that's guaranteed to turn any dog into a man-killer invites you to ride with the men of Squad Car 119. My name's Sam Finch. Me and my partner, Ralph R. Kruger, Jr., we're the unsung heroes of the police force. We ride a prowl car at night, curtailing the freedom of some to protect the freedom of many. A week or so ago, a wave of purse snatchings broke out in our section of town. Skipper suggested that we take some judo practice so we'd be ready to deal with the culprit when we met him. He just arrived at the police gym when my partner, Ralph R. Kruger, Jr., turned to me and said, Gee, I sure feel self-conscious just wearing these shorts, Sam. What do I do if the charwoman comes in? They don't have a charwoman on this floor. Canada cleans the place up. I still feel awfully silly. My legs are so white and my knees are kind of knobby. Yeah. Do you remember to get that book on judo instruction from Grimmick before we came up here? Yeah. Didn't look too tough. Little paperback thing there. Why don't you start reading it aloud from the beginning? That'll make it easier for us to follow along. Okay. Let's see. To my loving wife, Esther Louise, without whose help and devotion, this book would never have been possible. Skip over that. What's next? The contents of this volume are fully protected under the copyright laws of the United States of America. No portion may be reprinted without written permission from the publisher. That's kind of interesting, don't you, Sam? Yeah. Hasn't got much to do with judo, though. What's next? Well, that brings us up to position number one. Let's see. I'll hold the book and you stand behind me and grab my right wrist. Okay, buddy. Like this? That's it. Now watch this. They figure that if you hold the guy by the wrist, he can't snatch any purses while you're doing it. According to the picture, you should be flat in your back. I'll get it. Police, Jim. Finch. This is a chipper. You and Kirker can come on back up to the office. The purse snatcher has been just picked up by the man on squad car 174. He's been identified, booked, and brought to trial. One minute, the result of that trial. And while we're waiting to hear the outcome.
that was this week's exciting case. Just a word about Gerstmeyer's Poppy Gibbles. Friends, all dogs are born with fangs capable of inflicting serious injury. Many dogs just don't have the pet to use them. If your family pet falls into this unfortunate group, why not try Gerstmeyer's, the dry meal that's guaranteed to turn any dog into a man killer? The suspect in that first matching case proved beyond all doubt that he was merely the collector for a small loan agency carrying out his legal duties. He was freed on all counts. Now has a suit pending against the city for false arrest. And so a dangerous criminal is once again brought to justice by the unsung heroes of the police force. A man arrived at squad cars at night. If you're listening, would you come in, please? Wally Ballou. Over to Hampshire, this is radio fair-haired Wally Ballou for the story of Tranquilizer. We're speaking to Fedra Sinob, the owner of the Surefire Tranquilizer Company and the direct foreman of this particular branch of the plant. Mr. Sinob, I noticed that your workers seem to be enjoying themselves. They stuff these tranquilizers into the bottles and put the cotton in and seal them up. That's right. There's uh, very little for them to be concerned about here. Uh, they're happy. We have a fine retirement plan. We have, uh, of course, a wonderful picnic every summer for all our employees that they look forward to. Uh-huh. And we have a company cafeteria. But I think... Second to none? Second to none. I uh, have no equal. And working in a, a place like this would be rather an ideal uh, position for someone. Of course, all the tranquilizers uh, they want. I notice you yourself seem pretty calm, uh, sir. Well, you always this way. Thoroughly relaxed here. We all are, you notice. We don't much care. You're kind of slumping over the table there. Well, uh, I just relax. It's about the only way I could describe it for you. I don't. Uh... Anything, Mr. Sinop, anything uh, exciting ever happened to you since you got into this business? Well, this is a new business for us, uh, you see. Uh, Before this, we were all tooled up to make uh, horseshoes. In other words, it was quite a distinct uh, switchover, you might say. Well, that's right. We went from more or less a dirty hand job to a very clean one. And uh, we used to wear old coveralls, and now you see we wear doctor suits. Must be a great deal quieter now than it used to be. Uh, sign up. You keep drifting off. I say it must be a great deal quieter now than when you were forging horseshoes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Much more... Atmosphere oh, work. Oh, yes. mm-hmm. Well, oh, I think that no, I don't, don't ever do that. I better be getting back to uh, the uh, car, pack up my portable equipment, and head back for New York. But I want to thank you very much. This is sign off. Petrus. This is Radio's Incredible Wally Balloon saying that's the tranquilizer story of New Hampshire. Now, back to New York. This is Ray Goulding reminding you all to write if you get work. Bob Elliott reminding you to hang by your thumb. Thank you. This program can be transcribed from the Stone House just off Tenley Street in Rock Creek Park, USA. Yeah.